obstacles to planting healthy gospel-centered churches. Uh, we live in a culture that's contrary to the gospel, that's opposed to the gospel. In many cultures of the world, government forces that are anti-Christian, persecutions from just people who don't want to see these works get started. There's our own flesh, our own sinfulness that gets in the way a lot of time. Good News Church is a local church that has a vision to make disciples of the nations through starting new churches around the world. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, our vision is to plant churches locally and globally for the glory of God. I am so thankful for the fruit that God has borne as we as a church have been faithful to do what he's called us to do. The gospel is moving forward and there's no stopping it. And it's exciting to be a part of something so big like that. Hello, my name is Arman, and I am pastor from Kazakhstan. There is a phrase in my favorite movie. I'll quote that phrase, and I would like to see if you could guess what movie I'm talking about. My mom always said, life is like a box of chocolate. You never know what you're going to get. Of course, I'm talking about Forrest Gump. I think it got six Oscars back in 95. Two years ago, I and my wife Marina visited St. Augustine for the first time, and we had no clue that in two years, we are going to be here and visit your wonderful church. God is so good to us, and um, so good, and um, the piece of chocolate that we picked is very, very sweet and, uh, and super tasty. Uh, today, I wish I would bring an apple uh, to show you, but I was in a hurry, so I couldn't even get to a grocery to, to get an apple. So just imagine that I have an apple here. And I'm not going to talk about the original scene or about Steve Jobs and his uh, uh, fancy electronic company. Uh, today, I would like to tell you about wonderful city uh, I live in. Almaty city or father of apples from Kazakh language. Uh, that's the meaning of Almaty. Uh, is the former capital of Kazakhstan. One of the biggest city in Central Asia with population of two and a half million people. Almaty is located on the southeast edge of Kazakhstan. Tian Shan Mountains, or Heavenly Mountains from Chinese, are surrounded, uh, surrounded Almaty from the south side. The highest peak, uh, Victory Peak, is about 24,406 feet. And uh, the city lays on the... Um, 800 meters or 2,624 feet of height over the sea level. The city received such a name due to the fact that uh, huge areas of apple orchards are located in the foothills of Tian Shan Mountains. 
Kazakhstan is a country in Central Asia with a land uh, approximately of 2,724,900 square kilometers um, or 1 million square miles. It has borders with Russia in the north, China in the east, uh, and Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, and Turkmenistan, other Central Asian countries on the south. So when people are asking me here in the United States where Kazakhstan is, I'm, I'm just telling them. It's right between Russia and China. Uh, the capital is Nur Sultan or Astana. Um, it, it was moved from Almaty uh, in 97. And Kazakhstan is the largest, uh, world's largest landlocked country in the world. And the ninth largest country in the world territory-wise. But population is not that big. It's only 18.8 .8 million of people. And uh, this is the, one of the lowest population densities in the world. Uh, fewer than six people per square kilometer. But you, you might have a question uh, in your head. Where in the world map Kazakhstan is? <laughs> So, uh, as you could see on the a, on a presentation, Kazakhstan is right in the center of Eurasian continent. Kazakhstan is a very large country, and if I want to go from the south point to the north, uh, on the train it will take, uh, take me like two and a half days. Um, due to the size of the territory of Kazakhstan, there are different natural and climate zones, and as a result, uh, all seasons of the year are pronounced in Kazakhstan, as you can see on that slide. We have fall season, winter, spring, and summer. Uh, not like here in Florida, summer all year long. I am often asked a question, guys, what kind of clothes do you wear there in Kazakhstan? Uh, you could see on this uh, slide, in the top two photos, you can see the national traditional clothes that Kazakhs wore probably 100 or 200 years ago. But nobody, nobody uh, wears it right now, uh, even though it is beautiful, but no longer comfortable and um, not practical. Today, people in Kazakhstan dress the same way as in the rest of the world. Uh, Levi Strauss jeans and uh, jackets by Giorgio Armani <laughs> or Gucci. Uh, but let's go back to, to Almaty. Uh, the next photo, uh, the next slide, uh, shows the building of the Russian Orthodox Church, Holy Ascension Cathedral, and that photo was taken in, back in 93, 1993. Uh, exact this year, year of 93, uh, that is when God brought uh, some people to Kazakhstan. On the next uh, slide, um, you could see pictures of those beautiful, faithful families. Uh, they came to Kazakhstan to plant several churches, which uh, later united in one presbytery or association of churches. That people were missionaries from EPC denomination, 
Evangelical Presbyterian Church. And actually first uh, one family came uh, and planted one church. Um, and then later other families came and helped plant other three new churches. And as it says in 2 Timothy 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 2, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. These people passed the baton, passed the gospel and responsibilities for the church to these people that you could see on the next, on the next uh, slide. Uh, those photos are pretty current photos of pastors and elders of the churches uh, of our presbytery. The name of our presbytery is Presbyterian Reformed Church of Kazakhstan. Um, and on the next uh, slide, you could see uh, photos that displays fellowships of our churches. Uh, in Kazakhstan, uh, mostly those photos are taken in Kazakhstan, but recently there are two churches from outside of Kazakhstan joined our Association of Reformed Churches, one from Russia and one from Kyrgyzstan. And right now we are interviewing another church in Uzbekistan that would like to join our presbytery. According to the official sources, 72% of the population practices Islam. You can see on the next slide, there are many, many mosques. Those three mosques are the biggest mosques in Kazakhstan. One in uh, Nur Sultan, uh, the capital, and two are uh, in, in my home city, Almaty. And in, in fact, the biggest photo displays the mosque that is about one mile away from our, the building of our church. Um, Official sources would say that 23% uh, practices Christianity, uh, but um, in reality, it seems that 50% uh, of population are nominal and mostly doesn't practice any religion. Uh, very common situation when people would say, I am a Muslim just because I am Kazakh, or I am Christian because I am Russian. Uh, we believe that 50% of population of Kazakhstan are non-believers, and uh, they are atheists. 35% uh, are practicing Islam, and about 10% are practicing Russian Orthodox Christianity. Uh, yes, they worship Mary, uh, Mother Mary and icons, but they accept Trinity, though. Uh, and we believe that evangelical Christianity is less than 1% uh, of population of Kazakhstan. So uh, less than 1% of 18.8 uh, million of people are uh, evangelical Christians. According to Open Doors uh, World Watch List, uh, of 2021, Kazakhstan is number 40 of the top 50 countries with the high persecution of the church. Um, in the next slide, you could see that um, the church is in between two uh, main persecution sources, growing Islam from one side and Soviet paranoia, as we would call, from the other side. Um, 
there are four countries from Central Asia, Kazakhstan, uh, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, and Kyrgyzstan are in, I'm sorry, Turkmenistan and Kyrgyzstan are in that uh, World Watch list, uh, top 50 countries of uh, the high uh, level of persecution. Uh, recently, with help of your church, we have started planting a church in a capital of Kazakhstan, Astana or Nur Sultan. On the next slide, you can see that uh, it's a beautiful photo of uh, Astana. Uh, um, and on the next slide, you can see people from that uh, fellowship. Uh, it's a student fellowship that we are hoping would grow into into um, church. Um, so Duman and Tanya Kusainbekov, uh, on every picture they're, dis, uh, uh, they're uh, shown, uh, it's a family that are partnering with us. But recently they expressed desire to move, so we are in the process of transferring uh, the new leadership to that, um, to that fellowship. Uh, and uh, on the next slide you could see the photo of our, our uh, good friends, uh, Almas and Marina Moldebaev, who are going to, to lead that church in Astana. Uh, both of, of those families are uh, former crew staff, Campus Crusade for Christ staff, and right now they are partnering with our presbytery. Uh, but now we are praying for uh, many other projects. We believe that uh, there is no borders for the church. We believe there is no language and cultural barriers for the church. So currently we're praying for Balkan country called Kosovo. Kosovo is a part of uh, Serbia. And um, as, as we've heard, uh, uh, there, are, uh, there are about two million people lives in Kosovo. And uh, for two millions, there are less than 10, 100 uh, Christians in that country. That country is mostly in, uh, inhabited by Muslim, Muslims. So what we are praying right now for is to send the summer project with uh, some students and young people uh, to share the gospel in this country and uh, plant, uh, plant like a house church uh, uh, that that sooner or later will grow into the bigger, bigger fellowship. So this is our prayer. Uh, would you please join our vision and our planned projects uh, in, in this part of the world, Kosovo. So until the whole, uh, the whole world knows who Jesus is and what he, he have done for humankind, uh, it's, it's our privilege to to share the gospel with people around. But right now, I'd like to share a little bit about global mission. And um, I, I want to uh, draw your attention. And so, so if you can uh, open the Bible with me, that would be great. Do you know that God's global mission, what many Christians would call uh, Great Commission, is in reality fulfillment of his promise to the patriarch Abraham. God's sovereign plan 
inextricably links the Old and the New Testaments. His promise to Abraham forms the basis of Jesus' Jesus's command to make disciples of all nations and looks forward to the ultimate fulfillment of both the promise and the command as pictured in John's vision in Revelation. To see the connection, let's look to the three passages, three biblical pictures. So let's go to the picture number one, Abraham's promise. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis chapter 12, first three verses. God's promise to Abraham was an advance announcement of the gospel. As the Apostle Paul later wrote, Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. And what does this advanced announcement tell us about God's plan for the redemption of humanity? First, it tells us that his plan would be worked out through Abraham's family, name and legacy. Secondly, we are assured that the promise is primarily one of the blessing and a gracious gift. And thirdly, we are given a vision of the promised blessing extending to all peoples on earth. Let's go to the picture number two. Picture number two, Christ's command. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When Jesus gave this command, he was restating and clarifying the global mission that God announced in Genesis. The blessing of the gospel was to be fulfilled by making faithful, obedient disciples of Jesus. The term all peoples from Genesis chapter 12 verse 3 is clarified here to mean all nations from the Greek word ethnos, or ethnicity. As, as the messianic descendant of Abraham, Jesus was personally fulfilling the Abrahamic promise through his death and resurrection and the sending of the Holy Spirit to empower his followers. And let's go to the picture number three, John's vision. 
Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Just try to imagine that, that picture in your mind. Just try to portray that wonderful visionary picture. God has clearly and dramatically revealed the breadth and depth of his promise to Abraham and of Christ's command. Every nation, every ethnicity, every tribe, every people group, and every language is represented. Not one is missing. It is enough to take our breath away. It is more than enough to bring tears of joy to our eyes. And God gave Apostle John a front row seat to witness the fulfillment of a promise and a command that were uttered thousands of years ago. How did that great multitude get there? Certainly through prayers, certainly through mission work, certainly through the work of native missionaries, certainly through the local churches around the world, certainly through our efforts to reach out the world. And one last thing. The great gathering of people in white robes is so large that no one can count. The number of redeemed. This should fill us with both awe and humility. Awe because ultimately this is God's doing. Humility because we have been given an opportunity to participate in the global plan of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are standing here in awe and humility before you. You are God of gods and Lord of the lords. You are King of kings. And your wonderful plan of returning humankind, humankind back into your presence is wonderful plan of your son Jesus that accomplished the whole plan of paying the debt of our sins and bringing us back into your presence. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. Thank you so much for many churches around the world that are redeemed and covered by your blood. Thank you so much for giving us opportunity to be a part of this wonderful plan of redemption and salvation. Thank you so much. In your holy name, Jesus, we are praying. Amen.